Hello, initiators. This is Larry with the Black Financial Initiative, part two with Mario Payne, certified financial planner, owner of Tomes Financial. Him and his team launched the first black-owned AI-powered ETF on the New York Stock Exchange. Let's get into it. But, man, you're talking about these uh, college students. And um, so I, I guess what how I'll tie this in is, is what, what would you tell uh, one of these young people, maybe fresh out of school, or maybe somebody that's been around a, a minute, but they just want to get started on investing? Uh, what are some of the tips you would give them? Yeah, man, a couple of things. First off, you got to crawl before you walk. Any investor, successful or not successful, always started with a dollar, right? So like we think that we need hundreds of thousands of dollars to start investing, start with a dollar. Crawl before you walk. That's number one. Number two, do your research. Buy low, sell high. Just do those things. Because when we research a company, we know if they're making money or not making money. I'm not going to invest in a company that's not making money, right? M- makes just no sense. It just, it just, I mean, I mean, it just makes no sense. I don't know how to say it, right? But if, but if we don't do our research and we follow the herd, we're going to get ourselves in some trouble. So uh, you want to do your research. You don't need all these thousands of dollars. You want to crawl before you walk. And then you want to buy low and sell high, right? So I always like to use um, examples. And I use example of like a Jeremy Lin, right? Jeremy Lin is like a hot stock, a penny stock, right? He had that one. Carmelo was hurt, was on the bench thinking about La La. Jeremy Lin was out there hooping. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He was was hooping. You know what I'm saying? He was a hot stock. Insanity. Yeah, he was a hot stock, right? So yeah, but man, that's like a pump and dump because he was hot. And you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna say he flopped, but that that like 30, 40 game stretch stopped. And now we don't hear from him no more. Now, now he got a contract because of it, but it don't work like that for the investment world. So you don't want to be even sending. You, you don't want to be a hot stock. You want to be consistent. You know what I'm saying? You want to be a consistent person that always buys low, sells high. And if you do your research, you are able to understand when to buy a company when they're low and when to sell it high. Or you can do LETB on the market, let be, use, let us do it, or you can use our investment app and we'll do it for you as well. But, um, but, but yeah, uh, people think you need just hundreds of thousands of dollars, man. You got to start with a dollar. Rome wasn't built in a day and just keep on investing, keep on being consistent, keep on dollar cost averaging like you did with your Amazon and you'll be good over time. So uh, I, I saw a statistic, like if a person did $125 a month, for 30 years in the market, and the market averages uh, basically 9% a year over 30 years, you'd be a millionaire, right? So like, it's easy to do, you know what I'm saying? You just got to be consistent with it. Now, if you're making 15, 20%, you rocking and rolling, then that's just millions, plural, right? But you got to be consistent though. That means times like now, when things like, oh, I want to invest, I want to lose my money, this is what we want to invest, right? Like, like this time last year, when things were rocking and rolling, oh, I might want to sell high. Right. So uh, you want to be smart, but you want to be consistent, though. And my wife and I were just having this conversation uh, this morning, actually, because she was saying, like, all right, so maybe uh, tonight, I mean, this year or at, at this moment, it's probably not the best time to invest in the stock market. I'm like, well, well not necessarily. I'm like the rich right now. This is when they're making money. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can you don't spend more than you can afford to. You don't invest more than you can afford to. but And that's why uh, the lower middle class, middle class, broke people, poor people, that's why they're not making money at this time because they can't afford to uh, invest the, the extra income. But the rich, they can afford it. So, so they're investing, they're buying low. 
And other yeah. people that can't afford it, they need that money. So they might be selling at this moment. I'm like, no, this is a time where you really need to invest. Rich people are making money right now. Oh, heck yeah. So so like, like the market, you know, hit its bottom uh, the second week of June, right? Second week of June to today, the, uh, the markets, depending on what index, is up anywhere between 10 to 20%. So like literally, even though the market's down for the year, a person had 100 grand and they invested, you know, second week of June, they have at least 10 to $20,000 of profit crazy right they so that they did basically in a month what it takes the market to do use over a two or three year time period depending on what you use what index you use you know you might average seven to ten percent depending on user. when it comes to a house i am not going to buy a house when it's at 100 grand and sell it i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna buy one for 100 grand and then have it go to 200 grand and then sell it or i'm not gonna look at a house and it's worth 100 grand and it went down to 60 and say, you know what? I'm going to wait to buy it until it goes back up to 100 grand. No, you're going to buy it when it's worth 60. So when it goes from 60 to 100, you make money. So if you use the same thought process um, and the same decision making when it comes to buying a house as you do with buying a stock, you'll be good. The stock market is the only market where people are scared to buy on sale. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. Facts, facts, facts. Man, that is so true, man. So true, so true. Like, yeah, you said, Terrence, that uh, from a stock standpoint, stocks, like, we never look at things at a discount. And I was saying, just think if we looked at stocks like a Black Friday or Cyber Monday, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like, be lining up. Man, like, when Black Friday, I mean, you saw those videos, like, they be in Walmart, man, getting the fighting, getting the swinging, you know what I'm saying, over like a 30% discount. If we did that with stocks, man, you, you think about how much individuals that didn't have it would have it. You know what I'm saying? How much more people would have in their pocket if they looked at the market being down by 20, 30 percent as a Black Friday or Cyber Monday event. Man, but we don't look at it like that, though. No, yeah, but you're 100 percent right. That, that's the mentality. Like it's, it's, it's on sale, man. This is Black Friday, man. You better get in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people are looking at right now, I guess, you know, we may or may not be in a recession and whatnot. So people are looking at from that standpoint. So they're scared, which that shouldn't probably be the way we look at it. But speaking of recession, can you tell us what a recession is and how should people invest in one? Man, it's funny you say that because the White House said a recession ain't what a recession is right now, which is weird. Talk about painting the negative. I <laughs> political, I political. You know what I'm saying? Hey, yeah, I, this ain't a political show, but it's just, it's just funny. But historically, though, a recession is uh, two negative quarters of GDP. And if you look at that technical indicator, we are currently in a recession. Um, first and second quarter, GDP numbers said that we are going down, not up. They were negative. So we are technically in a recession right now. Now, again, it's been information that's been pushed out there this, this last week after the second quarter GDP numbers came out saying that, well, that's really not the case. So, you know, I let politicians to kind of answer that question they own. But like, technically, we are in a recession. So what does that mean though, right? Um, anybody that's trying to buy a house right now, I would strongly recommend them to wait. When a recession happens, individuals lose their jobs and that sucks for everybody. But if a person loses their job, if they lose their job and they can't pay the bills, then they foreclose in the house. The more foreclosures you have, the more inventory we have. It's supply and demand, right? Have high demand, we have higher supplies, then that means since the demand is high, the price of things is going to go down. So a $200,000 house today, six months from now, might be a $175,000 house, right? Uh, housing 
um, values of houses from a selling standpoint peaked in April, right? We're in August now. So the last four months, even though the housing market is higher than what it usually is, it's peaked, right? So when you talk about buying high and selling low, like, I'm sorry, buying low and selling high, like it peaked from a high standpoint in April. So um, if that happens, there's no reason to buy a house when it's worth 200000 when I could wait for six months and buy that same house, maybe 475000 right? From a mortgage standpoint, we know that uh, mortgages are out of control right now from an interest rate standpoint, right? So instead of getting a 30-year fix close to 6 7%, Let's wait six months, wait to a year. It might be close to the 5%. Now, it might not be where it was in 2021 and 2020 when things were historically low, where you can buy a 30-year at 2.5%, at which is crazy, right? But, uh, but definitely, the whole thought process is buying low and selling high. We want to do that now. So that, uh, that's some of the big things we want to think about, just buying a house. Uh, if, if, if you're flipping houses, you, know, uh, you might want to wait from a material standpoint. Right now, it takes a very, very, very long time to have a contractor come and do some work. Six months, nine months from now, it's going to be probably pretty quick to quicker to get a contractor to do some work at your house. Also, from a material standpoint, it's probably going to be a lot easier to get materials. Like we we, we bought land uh, in 2019. Uh, if I had my crystal ball, I would we would have built on that land in 2020. Uh, but like now, I'm 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 doing none on my land. Why? Like so I could pay people crazy. Um, dollars from a contracting standpoint, it's going to be supply chain issues. So like uh, I want something in October, it's going to take till March to get it. And then the prices in March ain't going to be what I'm paying for because I'm paying for it in October. No. So definitely you want to be patient. Uh, patience is the key. Patience is the virtue. And definitely during a recession, if you are patient, you can definitely buy things at a lower price. Uh, it's not even houses. It's like you, th you think about like the trucking industry, right? The, tr the trucking industry is rocking and rolling right now. But over time, you know, individuals will not be rocking and rolling and trucking like they are. Like I would imagine, getting on my crystal ball, but I would imagine, you know, uh, a truck now, a person wants to get a trucking, might cost you 70, 80,000. That net, that truck six months, a year from now might be close to 40 or 30. You know what I'm saying? Just because of su supply and demand. So definitely, if you think about starting a business, they always say it's best to start in a recession. Like I started my practice in a recession um, because you're able to buy things at a lower price. People are a lot more open to ideas when their ideas ain't working because it's a recession. So, uh, so yeah, if you want to start a business, I wouldn't say not do it, but uh, but just not do it today. Let's just wait till we get deep into the recession and buy things at a lower price to get rocking and rolling. That was long-winded, man, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drop some gems. So, you know what I'm saying? E-40, hey, sprinkle me, baby, right? E40, hey, sprinkle right? me, baby. Sprinkle me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, long-winded, but we loved every bit of it. And like you said, dropping, dropping gems, dropping in knowledge. Just with your experience, yeah, that's what it was. With your experience working with athletes or higher income or yeah. um, black people in general, just man, what is that that like? What do you see from them that you don't see from kind of people that yeah, don't make this crazy. amount of money? I mean, it's crazy. So like, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely blessed to uh, to have um, individuals who currently play in the league, retire from NFL. Uh, people that that you would definitely know if I said names. We want to name drop here, um, but but yeah, man, like. Athletes are a different breed, bro. So, 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 and and so, so think about it. First off, a, a roster, right? So you have a fifty-three uh, man roster. You have the half and half knots. You have your first round draft pick. You have your quarterbacks who's making like, let's say, let's say it's a million dollar, hundred million dollar payroll. A quarterback making twenty five to thirty million of that, right? So like they're like the halves. And then you have like the 
undrafted free agents, the six of a round pick that just barely made it. That's like the half knots, right? But the half knots in the locker room looking at the star wide receiver, the star cornerback, and they're like, man, I want to spend money like that. So like a lot of conversations you have with athletes is that, hey, you ain't getting the bag that this second guaranteed contract got. Like, do not spend the money. You know what I'm saying? So, like, a lot of conversations I'm having with professional athletes, the ones who have the bag and don't have the bag, it's just making sure they don't blow through the money. And it's pressures, too, because especially NFL, they're not guaranteed, right? Unless you're a quarterback, it's not guaranteed. So, you know what I'm saying? People come up to you all the time with business opportunities as an athlete, and you want to jump on them because, you know, I'm one ACL away of not getting this money I'm projecting for the next five years. You know what I'm saying? So, it's those conversations. Also, Bruh, it's been so many barbershop opportunities that people have came up to me through my clients at the athletes, barbershop, hair salon, uh, gaming center, like, you know what I'm saying, um, barbecue shop. Like, so just, just in our community, just think about, you know what I'm saying, um, all of the, my cousin them said I should invest in this and I want to start my own business here. Like, I get that so much. And like, you think about it, if, if, if you're an athlete, you know what I'm saying, you've been uh, coddled. You're the one that made it out of your community. So like you want to do right for your family. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, your, your family probably supported you, taking you to games, buying you cleats and things of that nature, buying you gym shoes if, if you're in a league. So you want to help them. But at the same time, I'm the person that's saying, hey, it ain't going to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This barbecue shop ain't going to work. You know what I'm saying? This, um, hey, uh, I think the, the crazy story I, I got was, uh, I, I, I want to start a, a chicken wing shack. Like this chicken wing shack, in this community where it's below poverty line, it ain't gonna work. Ain't no, ain't no, ain't nobody coming to the hood to buy chicken when they don't got money in the hood. The first place to buy the chicken, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So like, uh, so that, so, so yeah, that's that's those, those are tough conversations. But I said that to say though, uh, definitely professional athletes. Um, you hear a lot of stories about them going broke. Uh, it, it is bad, but it's not all their fault. Like it's a lot of other factors that's going on between the locker room, between their family, between who to trust and who not to trust that allows them to make those decisions. But it's crazy because like the same income-wise uh, individuals that are athletes compared to income-wise corporate America individuals, totally different. Like the conversations I have with higher, higher net worth or higher income corporate America individuals are a lot different. Uh, they listen more. They are in tune more. Now, it could be maybe because they're older too, right? I mean, you're saying you have a a person making eight, nine, a million dollars a year, 24 years old, unless you're like this crazy engineer, you're not getting that in corporate America. You might be 30, 35, 40 before you get that. So a lot of times it's it's uh, education and wisdom kind of over life. You kind of learn more, you become more educated. But yeah, like like the higher earnings that have my higher earner clients or higher network clients that are corporate America, conversations are a lot different. So with that being said, if a person is a financial advisor and, and they, they want to get into the business, I would definitely say, Go after the corporate America crowd. Don't go after the professional athlete crowd. Uh, it's it's cutthroat. It's the half and half nots. And uh, and yeah, like if, if I had my choice, if I, if I close my eyes and see what my practice would look like, yes, it's great to help our people from a uh, professional entertainment standpoint. But like like to have a stable practice that's there, they're gonna listen to you, take your advice. It's the corporate America crowd, man. Even even from like like a a, a standpoint, uh, I'm going off the rails here, but like. I get it a lot, especially being on uh, the board at Tennessee State. Like, should I be an entrepreneur or should I work in corporate America? Like, it's so much stuff that you have to be an entrepreneur just to kind of make it. It's crazy. 
Yeah, nah, nah. They 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 don't have that money for a long time at all, man. It's just uh, it's just it's just crazy, man. It's it's just crazy, like like the whole, like just that 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 whole industry, man. Then you got agents, like uh, so an agent, and I don't want to ruffle no feathers. The agents who I've talked to, I've worked with, I love y'all. I'm here to help, so don't take this the wrong way. But like you know, what I'm saying agents' job is to help you get a contract. But a lot of these agencies have financial advisors where they get a cut out of that as well. They're giving uh, athletes the wrong information. They're taking that information. And with the agent, like the agent helps you kind of secure the bag, especially in the NFL when the contract's not guaranteed. So you're going to live and die with that agent says, even if it's wrong information, you think it's wrong information, you're going to take it because you want him or her to make sure that you get that next contract in a year or two years. So it's just, it's just crazy, man. Like, um, but, but don't, don't believe for a day that uh that is that is the athlete's fault that that they blow through the money because it's not it's a lot of stuff that's going on in the locker room with their family and with some decisions that they get pushed into that's i'm not gonna say not their fault but it's really not their fault um so yeah so the, 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 those are my two cents from the athlete standpoint hope i answered your question uh i'm definitely yeah. blessed to help athletes but um it's definitely um it, it can be a challenge it can definitely be a challenge definitely answer the question and open my eyes a little bit because I never thought about it in that that way you know I, you think about like you said them blowing money everybody thinks about the the ESPN 30 for 30 broke um, yeah. but you don't really understand that they have all these other influences and that and these are people that just a couple of months ago didn't have much of anything nothing spent their whole life you know with nothing and then they just basically just signed a contract for millions of dollars so it it didn't accumulate over time where they had some time to mature and learn how to uh, use it they didn't go from zero to 50 to 100 to 200 and 400 you know now this just all happened at once and you see this one lump sum and not don't have an understanding of how you need to stretch it out and that this is one some or you just getting game checks and your career ends five years maybe three years ten years and you're not seeing the end in sight so and it's just because that's how what they were accustomed to so it's, i can see there being a big difference between these athletes high earning athletes and then high earning corporate america yeah so terrence that's nfl so now in college you got nil right name innocent and likeness oh um, so you, you think about grown men being able to be taken advantage of. What about these 18, 19 year old kids who are stars for their college university that are being taken advantage of? Like it's, it's, it's getting it's going to be worse now. Like, you know, what I'm saying now they have like these kids being promised these millions of dollars to go to a school that might not be able to produce like if they went to a bigger school that didn't get drafted higher. But they're going to it with all these promises of money. Like, what if they don't get the money? So, like, now they got promised these millions of dollars. Not saying it's happening, but what if? Uh, you know what I'm saying? They got promised these millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, they went to a school that now they're a, let's say, fifth-round draft pick instead of a second-round draft pick. So now a second-round draft pick, more guarantees involved in your first contract, uh, is prioritized. So you probably won't get a second contract compared to a fifth-round draft pick where you're not. So I think I'm getting all these money I'm not going to get. And now I don't get drafted as high. Like my whole career is ruined because of me being a 17, 18 year old kid being being told basically a lie to come to a school that, that just doesn't help me at all. So it'll be interesting with like NIL, um, how it how it hurts athletes even before they become hurt even more in the NFL. Man, you're dropping some information here because I've always looked at that as a positive thing. But yeah, I mean, what, what you're saying could very well be true, though. So, yeah. Uh, 
if the college athletes and these grown men have issues with it, when you think of, and I didn't think of it either, but uh, to your point, imagine these kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's think about it. So let's say I am a, uh, I'm, I'm a recruit and I can either go to Alabama or I can go to my hometown university, whatever that is, right? And my hometown university is saying, hey, I'm going to give you $500,000 of NIL. So I go there and I'm a star, but I'm a star, but I'm playing against lackluster competition, right? You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm not playing against in the SEC, the best of the best. So now you're going to look at me some type of way because I'm paying lackluster competition, even though I might be the best of the best and an SEO would have been the best because I'm playing, paying lackluster competition. Now I get drafted in the fourth round instead of going to Alabama where I'm drafted in the first round. Like, you know how much a first round contract and a fourth round contract night and day from a guaranteed standpoint, night and day from a second contract standpoint, night and day. So that exposure that I got going to a school like Alabama that I didn't get going to my hometown university is huge. So this is a small university. If I don't get paid that NIL, like a promise that wasn't kept, and now I don't get that big draft status, that kills me. You know what I'm saying? So now I got to overperform. But if I'm a fourth round or fifth round draft pick, I might not even get the choice because I might get cut in training camp. Shout out right. to Dak Prescott, fourth-round pick. Got that bag this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, but, but, but think about it, though. So, so think about it. Let's, let's be real, right? If Romo didn't get hurt in the preseason, yeah. that would have happened. No, he, he wouldn't have we don't know. We, we, we don't know, right? Same thing with uh, Russell Wilson. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was a quarterback competition in Seattle, and, like, both quarterbacks got hurt, and he just happened to be balling out, which a lot of people ball out in the preseason, but they say preseason ain't regular season. You know what I'm saying? So like, yes, Dak is balling and he is a baller. But if Romo didn't get hurt in the preseason, he would have had that opportunity. Who knows what happened with Dak, right? Yeah, for sure. So um, let's let's get back to, um, I guess, some people with most of us are going to have less income. So you are a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. What does that entail? And what do you think about his financial philosophy? Yeah, I wear a lot of hats, man. It looks like, huh? That's <laughs> crazy. You think about it, right? Uh, they, they always say, us as a people, we have to work harder. Like this, the public that's watching this and hearing this, like, yes, I am blessed. Uh, I am anomaly, but like, I have to work so much harder as an African-American to be as successful as a successful Caucasian. It is what it is. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but you have to do it. It, just, it is what it is. Being a, a Dave Ramsey smart versus his philosophy is, you know, getting out of debt. I, I get questions all the time. Hey, especially now with the uh, housing market being up, you know, should I take money? Um, not being in Houston, have a, what you call Dave Ramsey smart investors uh, here in Jacksonville was 10 of them. And I'm one of the 10 as a Dave Ramsey endorsed smart investor. Of course, the only African-American here in Jacksonville. I can't speak for the rest of America. I'm pretty sure it's other ones, but not many, I'd imagine. Right. But uh, but yeah. So. Um, so, yeah. So so definitely I was vetted. I had to go through an interview process, not with Dave Ramsey particularly, but but definitely Dave Ramsey's team uh, kind of going through my background. They want to make sure that you don't have a negative U4, which like your financial advisor uh, report card. 
Um, so I had to go through that process. And I've been a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor for, for about three years. Talking about that dude, sh- shout out to, uh, side note, um, Anthony O'Neill, man. Uh, he spent time in Jacksonville. Me and him actually went to the same church. Didn't even know it at the time, which is crazy. Like, you know, you, know, you go to church to kind of say hi about everybody, right? But yeah, but like uh, he, he was doing like this Dave Ramsey thing. He went on his own. One of the few people that actually kind of branched off and kind of did their own thing. And now he's just kind of growing his platform. Um, so yeah, definitely shouts out to Anthony O'Neill. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, love Dave Ramsey's philosophy. I mean, he's big on people getting out of debt, staying out of debt. Um, and I'm, I'm the same way. Like, like we should not, you, you, you can't, I'm not going to say can't, but it's very, very tough for a person that's not a savvy business owner to, to create credit to kind of make money, right? So yes, you have good credit, you have bad credit, um, credit cards, bad credit. You don't, you don't max out a credit card to start your business, in my opinion, right? You need to talk to a certified financial planner and find out different ways that you can do to get money, either SBA loan, uh, grants and things of that nature. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm big on that. In our community, uh, you know, we have two and a half times the debt as other communities, right? When we have the same jobs, but from a financial literacy standpoint, we don't have education. Again, we watch YouTube, watch social media, hear these stories, take these master classes. Nothing against anybody who's doing master classes, but just in general, you know, we do these master classes, it's kind of give us the wrong information. So if I'm able to kind of give you pinpoint information, why you should not do something, why is good debt, why is that bad debt and get out of debt, then preferably I can help you going forward. So, uh, so yeah, shout out to Dave, man. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey. Uh, my wife and I use his um, uh, snowball to pay off a lot of debt. So big fan of Dave Ramsey, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so okay, I gotta ask a question because a lot of people say like, a bit, like he's just too extreme, which I, I, I can understand. Like, like going, going through the process of the snowball effect, was it like, was it too much? Like how, how, how was it when you went through the process? So we didn't do exactly the way he says do it. So I'll, I'll say that much. For one thing, we didn't stop investing in our retirement accounts. We continue to invest in our retirement accounts. Um, you know, we had a budget, so we didn't uh, do rice and beans, beans and rice. You know, we, you know, we, <laughs> you know, we try to stay at our budget, but we didn't not eat, you know. Um, so, you know, we didn't go to all the way to the extreme, but, um, you know, we did, I would say like 90% of what he said to do. And, um, you know, if you want to do something and you, you decide not to do it because of your budget, yeah, at the time it, you know, might not be uh, exciting. But once you, once you start getting those wins, you know, you, you know, it's exciting because, you know, you're working on your goal and it's working. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nah, very yeah. true. Very true. So, uh, Mario, where, where can everybody find you at? Yeah, yeah, great, man. Social media, man. I'm on the gram. I'm, I'm on everything. So, uh, so uh, if you go to uh, Tomes Financial, so T-O-A-M-S Financial, again, T-O-A-M-S Financial. That's my Instagram handle. Uh, that's my Twitter handle or Mario J. Payne, but Twitter, Tomes Financial as well. Um, that is my LinkedIn, tonesfinancial.com as well. Uh, we have our own Facebook channel, Tones Financial. Um, so, so you can find me there. From a uh, entertainment standpoint, if you want to be entertained, uh, I have my own TikTok. Uh, it's called Painful Profits, P-A-Y-N-E-F-U-L, Profits. Uh, like every single day, I do like a 60-second what stock did good, or did, bad for, did good or bad for that day. I have like some... It's just entertainment. It's, it's, it's like like my funny side, my wannabe funny side, like my last name Payne, like Martin Payne, right? So I'm trying to be funny. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like my outlet, you know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I do think about like the marketing stuff, like a little 60 second thing I do every single day. I put some of that stuff on my Instagram too, but Instagram a little bit more professional. But yeah, if you go to Painful Profits uh, on TikTok, you can catch that. Uh, also, we have a YouTube page, also Painful Profits. Um, we are on 
we're shooting episode six uh, next week, but I'm actually having my own uh, financial show called Painful Profits. So that'll be on the YouTube as well. So again, just um, just conversations from African-American standpoint um, about just finances. So we, we touch on topics like real estate, crypto, just everything, uh, make it conversational, make it funny at the same time. So uh, that's pretty cool. That's called Painful Profits. And then also um, talk about HBCUs. Uh, we're starting our own uh, HBCU podcast, just uh, highlighting HBCU graduates and what they're doing. Uh, that's called HBICU. Because like, I see you, I see you, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so 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 actually we, we, we did our, our first pod. So we're going through the process of uh, getting that promoted. So if you go to um, that Instagram, HBICU, uh, that should be up and popping, I imagine, uh, September. Uh, just We're just trying to highlight our people, man. Like the thought process is, if we highlight our people, we show it's African-Americans who are successful, um, it's African-Americans who ain't scamming out here. It's African-Americans yep. that's doing the right thing and helping our community. And if you get involved with them, then that'll be motivation. Jeezy had thug motivation. Hopefully we have HBCU motivation. So, so yeah. Man, are you operating under 24 hours? Hey, I was, I was about to ask how many cups of coffee you drink today. Man. <laughs> uh, nah, nah. Hey, so, so, so we talked about the military earlier, right? So keep it simple. Yep. Stupid. And or like, I have a staff though. Like I have, a, I have a marketing firm. Uh, I, I don't own a marketing firm, but I have a marketing yep. firm that does my stuff. I have a, I have two assistants. Um, if I could drop some jewels, you guys, uh, I get my assistance from a uh, online jobs.ph. Um, so they're actually uh, a, a talent acquisition company based in the Philippines. Um, mm-hmm. But like, like both, both my assistants have their undergrad uh, and their master's. And, um, and because, so basically, look at it this way, like a person who makes $8,000 a year in the Philippines is like a $100,000 a year job here in America, right? Okay. So you could pay a person, you know, their worth, which is a lot less than Americans worth. So because of that, this allows me to just do a lot of stuff. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so definitely all... I would say 95% of what I do on a day-to-day basis is, is my firm, Tones Financial. Uh, and then, like I said, the other 5% seems like it's a full-time job, but because I have staff, I have support, I have help. Uh, I just kind of show up and smile and joke and, and shoot the breeze and then, and then, uh, and then, then did enjoy my family. So, so yeah. So that's why it's very important to have structure, very important to be organized. And again, if you are a small business, you're looking to grow, Definitely go to uh, online, and I ain't getting paid for this. I'm just trying to help him, him you know, uh, drop jewels. But uh, onlinejobs.ph, get you a virtual assistant, and then have him or her run your practice or whatever. You don't need to put your hands on a day to day basis. Let them do. It took me a long time to kind of release some of my tasks, but now, but like literally, not half. A lot of stuff I was doing that I didn't have to do, uh, they do, and it makes my job a little easier, and I get to wear a lot more hats than what I would have. So, so, so yeah. Man, you're dropping gems on every aspect of, of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to write a book then, don't I, man? I need to write a book. <laughs> I need to write a book, man. I need to write a book. So, yeah. Hey, get, get your personal assistant ready. Let them know you got a book coming now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But yeah, we want to thank you again, Mario. Terrence, Terrence, you have anything to say? Oh, man. Just uh, like Nurse said, thank you. Can't thank you enough. Like you said, you been dropping so much knowledge we love it appreciate it love what you're doing continue to do it and you mentioned the hbcus and you're gonna drop on a youtube for for that or a podcast i think you said youtube but man i, I will be looking forward to that uh myself and like we mentioned earlier larry and i we attended a what you call a pwi 
uh, even right. named <laughs> even named after a white guy, uh, but still uh, 100% enjoy uh, and appreciate the support you're giving to the HBCUs out there. Yeah, uh, one, one more thing too. I know I talked before, but, but, but definitely though, um, from a support standpoint, if you guys do want to invest, uh, our symbol on the stock market is let be L E T B is in boy. Um, uh, our investment app, if you want information, you want to sign up. If you go to www.letbob.com, uh, and definitely if you want to learn more about starting your own investment fund, uh, go to uh, let Bob ETFs. So let Bob ETFs.com, all the information there. And then shouts out to the Bob team. Um, shouts out to my business partner, Anthony. Uh, just definitely excited what we're doing in our community. Hey, y'all heard them. I and I'm, I'm going to put the information in the show notes too. So it'll make it easy, easy to find you. Yeah. I want to thank all the listeners for listening. I want to thank Mario again and share so much great information. Please check out. I mean, he has so many places. Check him out. Check him out. Um, <laughs> check out our initiatives. <laughs> um, uh, tell a friend. Uh, you can check us out on on, a, on Facebook at Black Financial Initiative. You can check us on Twitter, BFI-podcast, and also on Instagram at Black Financial Initiative. So thank you again. and and Talk to y'all later. All right, initiators.